Hello there and welcome to Fabulous Folklore, the podcast for all things folklore, occult and just a bit weird. I'm your host Icy Sedgwick, blogger, fantasy author and your guide into these rather mysterious realms. I've got some rare things to show you, so come on in, take a look around, but be careful not to touch anything. These things sometimes bite. Well, hello there and welcome back to Fabulous Folklore with me, your host, Icy Sedgwick. I always say welcome back as if I'm assuming that you're a return listener and if you are, welcome back. And if this is the very first episode you've ever listened to, welcome. This week we are going to the Cornish Tin Mines to meet the Knockers to round out our little theme that we've been doing this month of the folklore of kind of wild and forgotten places. And you might think a tin mine doesn't really have the same kind of cultural cachet is somewhere like Dartmoor or the Northumberland Hills but really when you actually think about it tin mines are pretty harsh and inhospitable places in and of themselves. So we're going to have a look at the knockers and we're going to find out who they are, what they were for and basically how they then also emigrated to America. But before we have a look at all of that and we are going to get to know them quite well throughout the duration of this episode, I should point out that they are considered like a, a form of little people, along with things like leprechauns, brownies and pixies, but they're very specific. And some people actually think that they were the earliest inhabitants of Wales, who then taught the art of mining to the Britons. Despite this original Welsh association, they are more closely associated with Cornwall. And bearing in mind, tin mining in Cornwall is about 4,000 years old. And there is evidence that the Cornish traded tin with the Romans. So we're looking at a really long period of, of industry, essentially, in the form of tin mining in Cornwall. And we're also looking at the corresponding belief in the knockers. And as I say, they do emigrate to America eventually. Spoiler alert. And so that that that's the context of what we're looking at. So bearing in mind, some of the things that we look at on this podcast are sometimes relatively recent or they only have like a couple of centuries provenance or whatever. But as I say, tin mining, 4,000 years old. So one of the older activities that humans have really done in this country in terms of like man-made industry. So it's quite interesting to see how this then ties into the folklore. So what are the knockers and what function do they perform? They are also known as the knacker, the booker, the booker, I've probably pronounced that completely wrong, but I don't speak Welsh, or the Tommy knocker. Obviously, the Tommy Knockers you'll know from Stephen King. And the Knockers basically come from similar origins as things like brownies and leprechauns. And legends claim that they are only two feet tall and live underground, obviously, hence mines. They do dress like miners and they sometimes steal unattended food or tools. Now, you do have to bear in mind that mining was incredibly dangerous work. You've got poisonous gases to deal with. Some of the mines actually also yielded arsenic, which is incredibly poisonous to humans. You'd have pools of water to deal with and obviously frequent collapses as well. So you've got plenty of hazards to be dealing with on a daily basis. It does kind of put your average rubbish office job to shame somewhat. And obviously, if you've ever watched Poldark, particularly the new version with Aidan Turner, you'll know exactly how perilous Cornish tin mines can actually be. So naturally, miners will be constantly alert to any of these dangers, particularly the sounds of cave-ins. So creaking earth or timbers would probably strike fear into their hearts because you would know you hear the creaking, you know what's going to come next. And such knocking was attributed to the knockers. Now, according to some legends, because there are differences, the knocking came from the knockers actually attacking the supports to bring the ceiling down. 
And these ones are quite malevolent and they cause more than simple mischief. Like these are like malicious, you know, they want to cause harm. And if you enjoy reading gothic fiction, I highly recommend Laura Purcell's novel Bone China because there's definitely something creepy living in some Cornish caves in that one. But, and this is the far more common one that I've found, the knocking is actually a warning of an impending cave-in. So while these spirits might quite like practical jokes like, you know, hiding your tools, they do take the safety of the miners very seriously. So they knock and it alerts miners to danger so they can then leave unsafe tunnels before there's a cave-in. And these knockers might even appear in front of miners that they liked and miners would leave a part of their dinner, which was obviously usually a Cornish pasty, for the knockers. But some people don't actually believe that the knockers are part of the fairy folk. And in these legends, the knockers are actually the ghosts of those lost in tin mine accidents. So these helpful spirits pass on warnings, obviously because they don't want to see someone go through the same thing they did. And the miners leave the last part of their pasties as a thank you for their protection. And these spirits basically stop miners from suffering the same fate they did. Now... There are quite a lot of stories of ghosts in tin mines and there's one called the Wheel Roots Mine which has actually been renamed to the Poldark Mine to cash in on the success of the TV series and it was most active between 1720 and 1780 but it was largely abandoned by the 20th century. Now according to Haunted Britain the mine actually boasts swirling mists that materialise in photographs and they've also had a brown clad figure who materialised and then vanished in front of a visitor. Apparently a long dead miner roams the tunnels and he's heard but nobody ever sees him and a paranormal group actually captured a stream of foul-mouthed abuse from him on a recording. Personally, I'd quite like to hear that recording. Not because I want to hear foul-mouthed abuse but I'm just curious to hear what he sounds like, you know what I mean? And in another tale, a woman known as Dorcas died and she started haunting a nearby mine and she actually took a fancy to one of the miners and started following him around and she kept saying his name to get his attention and one day she said it so often that the miner eventually just left the mine to find some peace. And shortly after he left the tunnel where he'd been working, the ceiling collapsed. So while she wasn't a knocker, her actions sort of saved this particular miner in a similar kind of way. So there is this idea of, of the knockers as ghosts. And James McKillop actually notes the legends that the spirits are the ghosts of Jews used by the Romans as slaves in the mines. So there is this concept that yes, they are actually ghosts and there, there was a, a story I found that said that the knockers were those who weren't good enough for heaven but not evil enough for hell and you do think well I'm sorry but the mines were really a form of hell in and of themselves but this is this is the thing you do have this difference between are the knockers ghosts are they actually a, 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 a spirit like of their own and the, the, the idea that they're their own spirit a bit like brownies and pixies is a lot more prevalent and I did find mention of one belief that the knockers are there not to warn people, but actually to draw attention to new seams that need to be worked. And that and they're knocking basically say, hello, hello, it's here. And in these stories, obviously, they're basically using sound to indicate where you can find these seams. And it does kind of make sense if your underground invisibility is obviously not exactly going to be amazing. It does make sense that you would obviously knock on something to, to sort of draw someone's attention to it. Now, Patricia Monaghan actually prefers this origin story and she says that the knocking gets louder when miners kind of come nearer to a rich vein of ore, which does sort of feel a little bit like they're going warmer, warmer, hot, 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 as they get closer to it, but that's possibly me just being flippant. Anyway, in these tales, the knockers only actually bother with the rich mines that still have plenty of tin in them and they don't even bother haunting the mined out tunnels. 
And according to the Six Ghosts website, a man bought a house in Cornwall, as you do, and he kept hearing noises that sounded a bit like footsteps on the stairs. So obviously he was asking his servants who was making the noise. And they were saying it wasn't them, it was actually the knockers. And when people looked, it turned out there was a massive tin load under his house. So they were just letting him know that it was there and it needed to be mined. Which really, if that's the case, that's actually quite helpful to know where you would be able to find such stuff. Now, the legends, as I say, they do contradict one another as to where the knockers come from. So obviously no one knows if they're ghosts, no one knows if they're a specific type of of pixie. But they do have common points because miners just did not whistle in mines for fear of offending the knockers because the knockers just hated whistling. But you were allowed to sing in the mines. That was acceptable. And I think if you've ever heard like tuneless whistling, you can absolutely understand why the knockers wouldn't like that. Now, Mohan also notes that the knockers hated crosses, so the miners wouldn't wear them, and they didn't leave their tools in a makeshift cross when they left for an evening. And they also took care never to speak ill of the knockers because of the fact that they thought they might upset the little people and they might then actually cause accidents, which sort of leads us back to the slightly more malicious ones that like are knocking to bring the supports down. However, if you ever heard knocking outside of a mine, it was a sure sign of impending death. And there are tales of clocks and so on here and knocking when they're sort of standing outside so they're not even underground. And the person who hears the knocking can often be the person that then dies soon after. Now, obviously, you get to the 19th century and sort of tin mining starting to, to dry up a little bit. So a lot of miners then move to the new world because obviously there's a lot more job opportunities. And Welsh miners moved to Western Pennsylvania in the 1820s and obviously, as with any group that moves to a new land, they took their stories of the knockers with them. They then told their new co-workers all these tales about stolen tools and helpful warnings and so on. And the Cornish miners went to California and they took the legends there. Their mining abilities were so sought after that mine owners actually paid their boat fare to bring more Cornish miners into the area. But they obviously brought demands of their own with them because they realised how valuable they were and these Cornish miners wouldn't enter new mines unless managers assured them that the helpful spirits were present in the first place. And in America, the knockers then became the Tommy Knockers, which, as I say, takes us back to Stephen King's sort of creepy novel. It's just a bit of a shame that he kind of goes off in a completely different direction with it, but there we go. Now, according to Ronald James, the belief in the Tommy Knockers in Nevada actually lasted well into the 1930s, whereas the corresponding belief in Cornwall had died out by 1900, and some miners actually made statues of the spirits out of clay and then left them in the mines to guard the tunnel sort of when they weren't there. And even as late as 1956, a large Californian mine closed down and descendants of the original Cornish miners actually asked the owners to free the spirits so that they could then go and work elsewhere. And weirdly, the owners actually agreed to that. So you can only wonder where those Tommy Knockers ended up. And I really do think that that is a supernatural sitcom waiting to happen. So if any, if Netflix would like me to write that for them, I'd be more than happy. But nowadays, the Tommy Knockers generally only appear in branding and they are actually used for a beer brewery in Idaho Springs in Colorado. And there's an image of that on my website. Now, are the knockers still there? Is is the big question, I guess. And obviously, it's beyond the scope of this episode to really discuss the truth behind them. And if you're being pragmatic about it, maybe the miners just simply learn to listen for the telltale creaking of a roof on the point of collapse. And obviously, attributing that sound to protective spirits would make working in such hellish conditions way more bearable. Because obviously, this is a period before we got workers' rights, before we had trade unions, people were just generally used as labour literally they weren't probably treated as actual people 
So obviously if one miner, if anything happened to him, it's fine, we'll just get another one, was generally the, the idea. And again, if you watch Poldark, you can see the, the, the huge difference between the way Ross Poldark treats these miners compared to the way someone like George Warleggen treats them. So obviously if you're working in this era where you don't have someone looking out for your best interests, thinking that the, the knockers were at least looking out for you, it gave them some sense that somebody was actually interested in their safety. And perhaps spirits really did reside in the mines and they were on the lookout for impending disaster. And maybe they just borrowed the tools out of boredom or they did a little bit mining of their own. It, it's obviously, there's no way of knowing for sure. What's fascinating about them is they're this remnant of superstitious belief that lasts well into the 20th century. And as I said right at the beginning, considering tin mining started in Cornwall like 4,000 years ago, that obviously I don't know how long the belief in them has lasted, but it really does make you think how how much humans will perpetuate beliefs or stories or just keep telling tales of things when they're working in conditions like that. But as far as I'm concerned, whether they were just a way for the miners to make sense of their conditions or whether they do actually exist, I just say, long may they guard the deep and dark places of the earth because God knows somebody needs to. So my question to you is, had you heard of the Tommy Knockers? Had you heard of the Knockers? Obviously, some of the listeners of this podcast are in various parts of the world. So obviously, you may be English and have heard the Cornish version. You may be American and obviously you've heard the US version. If you're from a different country and you've also heard of them or you have local tales of that particular type of spirit in Europe, please do let me know because I would love to be able to sort of do something on more regionally specific stuff if the stories have moved elsewhere as well. So obviously feel free to email me at icy at icycedric.com, tweet me, whatever you want, and um, and then just let us know if you know of any stories as well. Because we're basically doing some folklore here, actually collecting stories, and I think that's very good. Anyway, that's the end of this week's episode. We are unfortunately, and I do say that because it, it kind of makes me feel a bit sick how fast this year's gone, we are moving on to Christmas folklore next week. We are only going to have three episodes before Christmas. We're going to be looking at Krampus, the folklore behind Holly, why the hell do we use a prickly leaf in our Christmas decorations, and also mistletoe, which has loads of like cool druid sort of connections to it as well. We'll be looking at those before Christmas. And then we will have an episode about Twelfth Night after Christmas and then we're going to move into new stuff in the new year. I am collecting people's requests for future episodes so if you do have anything that you want to learn more about please do feel free to again just bung us a thing and ask uh, and that will be nice. If you are a supporter on Patreon I will be putting out the next exclusive episode sort of like in in early to mid-December, which is all about spiritualism. So we're going to be talking sort of knocking, which is quite timely considering this episode. We're going to be talking spirit photographs, Ouija boards, all that hilarious good fun that we have. So that is it for this week's episode. I hope you have a fabulous week ahead and I will see you soon. Cheerio. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, feel free to subscribe using whichever podcast app it is that you prefer. If you do use iTunes, if you could leave me a review, that would be fab. Basically, it just means iTunes are more likely to recommend this to other people. And if you're interested in more folklore, please feel free to swing by my blog, which is www.icsedgwick.com. And that's Sedgwick spelled S-E-D-G-W-I-C-K. And you can find all of the links, images and other bits and pieces that hopefully you enjoy. So have an absolutely fab week ahead and I'll see you soon. Cheerio!